the Doctor Jamie and Victoria arrive in Tibet during the 1930s. The Doctor thinks he's going to get a warm and friendly welcome, but is quickly mistaken when he is quickly caught up in the plans of the Great Intelligence, who's using robot yetis to do its bidding. This is the abominable snowman. Welcome to Regenerated. Yes, of course I will help you, but but first you must tell me things. Why are the monks being driven away? What is the purpose of these robots, the Yeti? Where is their control? Hello, and welcome back to Regenerated. I am Matt, and I'm joined by Becky. Hi. And this week we have the Abominable Snowmen. I got it right this week, Becky. <laughs> Yes, uh, the 30th of September to the 4th of November, 67. Six episodes, one live in the archive. Written by a Mervyn Hallisman. Um, this is his first story, along with a Henry Lincoln. And this was his first story as well. And it's directed by a Gerald Blake. And his his first story as well. And another little uh, sort of trivia here is that Mervyn was the man who created the Brigadier character. So... Just a little bit of trivia there to start off. So this week I've remembered to write some topics, Becky. I know how you love them. So I've written mm. this time. I've got four uh, on the subject of the Abominable Snowmen. So first one is this uh, technically a historical serial. Uh, number two, the Yeti look. Um, is it today sort of considered a bit funny looking? Number three, why do all disembodied voices sort of whisper? And the fourth one is even the even though it's a telly snaps, does this one feel like it was a live episode or a live serial? So these are the four I've got. I think uh, we can start off with uh, the first uh, first topic. I think so. This is technically a historical piece. Obviously, um, I think it was uh, William Hartnell. I think he had the last historical serial. And I can remember saying, and it was in the trivia for the episode, that this, that was the last historical serial until 82, I think it was. Or, yeah, I think it was 82. Peter Davison, I think. But is this technically a historical serial? How? Well, they're in Tibet in the 1930s. No, I mean squat. Well, still historical, isn't it? No. Why? It's Tibetan monks? Yeah, but Tibetan monks were pretty much all over the place. So, so, is the definition of a historical serial something where they get plucked into history? So, like the Great Fire in London, or pretty much. So, really, this is not really a time or 
Well, no, because at the end of the day, loads of people have gone searching for the abominable snowman or the Yeti or the Sasquatch, Bigfoot, that sort of thing. You know, there's always, you know, weirdos who always go looking after that sort of thing anyway. Mm. That's like the same amount of people who basically hang around Roswell and try and make out they've been abducted by aliens. Well, I think it's it, I think it's loosely a historical piece. To I be don't fair. think so. I don't well, think it's historical it at all. And you know, that's like saying, "Oh, well, if they went to Roswell in the '60s and saw the plane crash, you know, <laughs> would that be historical?" Well, not really. Mm. Well, I think we'll agree to disagree with that one. I think it's it's a place in history, a time in history. Well, no, it's because it's not a specific. But it's not a specific time in history. Like with the Great Fire of London and things, of what happened in the Romans and the Aztecs, stuff like that. That happened during during a specific period, a historical period. Whereas basically, Yeti hunting and Tibetan monks didn't happen in a specific period. Oh, okay, so. Moving on. Trust me, do not <laughs> even get me started well, on what's history and what's not. Well, I don't think I will. So, look, say Yeah, maybe six, you're learning for once in 12 years. Six episodes, one live. Nice to see a live one. This one actually is going to be animated this year. Uh, I think it's going to lend itself quite But there were a well. couple of like live bits sort of sliced into the telesnaps. Well, yeah, there is, there's obviously some archive footage, like, little clips or something that still survived. Yeah, so I was like, well, which is actually a telesnap? And which I found ain't? also the telesnaps had quite a lot of photos, so I think this one's going to lend itself really yeah. well to animate. thought animating. the descriptive was quite good. Yeah, I, I did like this telesnap. Like I say, it did feel... like, well, even, like if the dog, even if the dog was trying to get in the way of me reading it. Mm, but <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, dog I did, in heat. I think because... It's got loads and loads of photos. I think it actually lent itself to, like I say, I felt like the the actual telesnaps were kind of moving quite a lot because, like I say, they had multiple photos and it kind of gave the impression like it was a live episode. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't think to myself, this is a telesnap kind of thing. I sort of well, got I did at the beginning, but then, you know, but as it went on, it was like, well, you know, you it kind of just merged. Mm. Yeah, so, like I say, uh, episode one, the TARDIS lands in Tibet in the 1930s. This is the first time the Doctor actually protects his companions. Technically, he doesn't actually say us, um, Tibet till later on. Well, they do when they're in the originally, they think they're in India. And well, Victoria the thinks they're in India. Well, it seems the Himalayas doctor... actually run through multiple countries. Mm, well, yeah. You know. It's in, it's in the same area. The Doctor is the one who corrects Victoria, who thinks it's... India. India. But yeah, first instance of a doctor protecting his companions here, I think. He sort of says he'll go and sort of have a look around and there to stay in the TARDIS mm -hmm. because, you know, they don't know what's out there. Yeah. So the doctor decides to wear a big, massive fur coat, which is a detriment to him in a little while. And we'll get into that. Jamie and Victoria, they're waiting in the TARDIS. They get a little bit restless because the Doctor's obviously left them behind. Again, this is the sort of... There you go. All right. Himalayas is known as a mountain range in Asia. It actually passes through India, Nepal, Bhutan and China. Well, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a massive, so, like I massive said, mountain range. Multiples. 
It's a massive mountain range that looks like the Scottish Highlands. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like when you look at it. Apparently, maybe it was filmed in the Scottish Highlands. Maybe. So, yeah, they get a bit restless. Enough. <laughs> restless in the TARDIS. They end up, or should I say, Victoria ends up leaving. Jamie has to kind of follow to keep her safe. Typical, as usual. Well, yeah. So stubborn that's the thing they basically that's one thing i kind of don't like a little every time there's a woman companion they seem to think well oh we'll just make her stubborn and not obedient and all right yeah because what woman wants to be obedient but still that basically makes out as if she doesn't listen either you see the thing is we're again we're in the female companion trap again with victoria but it is with a slight difference, I'm starting to notice. She has more of a voice. So she does get into I trouble. I don't know so much. Barbara had a good mouth well, on her. Well, yeah. She she does remind me a little bit like Barbara, a little bit with the outspokenness. But she does get herself into some trouble. But Better outfit choices, too. She's still, she's, you know, the female companion. Better is outfit still, choices. Is still the product. Well, with, with, with Barbara and her wardrobe, it was always sort of like... Look, what look like leggings and a baggy jumper. Mm, yes. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking I wear crap like that, but difference is I'm overweight. She ain't. Yeah, she's you know? sort of. She she's the. Again, she has to be the person to get in trouble. I, don't, I just don't understand why they. Where is Victoria? Victoria's wardrobe choices are very good. Yeah. Well, let's say. I think I think Victoria's in this for a while. I think. Mm. I'm not too sure. Again, I'm so used to seeing companions come and go really quickly, rapidly. That's kind of I funny how, really you know. know, she was in like a skirt with a Dalek. Um, not in the Daleks, what was it? The last one. The last one was... Um, she was in a dress. It was the one with the Cybermen. Two yeah, of the she Cybermen. Was, yeah, she had a dress on. But I'm, I'm nice to know that she's actually getting to the point where... Um, you're always going to end up in trouble somewhere along the line, and it's probably better to wear some trousers. Oh well, yes, that's it. Is, Although that is Jamie still didn't took that hint. No, no, she did and actually still... say that to him about being cold, and he just says, "I'm from the Highlands. We're used to the cold." So that's how they kind of got round. Yeah, him well, he, his kilt. he regretted that in the end, didn't yeah. he? But yep, yeah, they they leave the TARDIS. Jamie goes back because they were rooting through this chest. Uh, where the doctor got his fur coat from, and Jamie found a sword, which he decided to go back to get a bit of protection. The doctor then approaches his monastery because the story is is that the doctor has been here before. He's got this sort of this bell, and he's going to return it to the monastery. And upon seeing this, they're going to shower him with basically grace and joy and everything that comes with it. Treating like a god. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's that's the sort of. The gist of why they're kind of what their idea is is basically yeah so like i say he approaches the monastery goes inside this is where his uh, coat is a little bit of a detriment here because they we get introduced to this explorer who's called travers he's looking for the yeti his camp was invaded by a yeti type creature we don't really know what it is at the minute they sort of blame the doctor because he's wearing this big fur coat. They think it's the doctor that's killed one of Trevor's campmates. So they threw him in the well, cell. Not one of there was only the two of them. So was, was it two? What hit uh, Travers and his yeah and his his other companion? Yeah. yeah. So they throw him into a um, a cell. 
And then Jamie and Victoria, as they're sort of exploring outside, they stumble along this cave where they decide to explore. Again, it's the companion's curse again. They've already stumbled out of the TARDIS because they're restless. Now they stumble across the cave. They have to explore it. You know, normal logic dictate you just walk away. Yeah, you won't go into a big dark cave. But they do. They walk in. This uh, goes back to the doctor who's in the cell. He's then fully introduced to Travers, uh, who, like he says, it's like kids looking... walking off in a shop. Yeah, he says he's uh, looking oh, oh, for I the Yeti. Oh, I want to go look at the candy, you know. Yeah, basically, that well, it is. That is what the companions are like. They're like children, like kids in a candy store. Yeah, they're a bit like children. So yeah, he says he's looking for the the Yeti, and then back to the cave. Or Jamie... like the boy, or like the boys of Tetman Smiths. Mm, well, yeah, and uh, <laughs> other other toy shops available. So yeah, yeah, kids in toy shops mm. not a good mix if you want to get out in and get out. No, so Jamie and Victoria in the cave, they have a yeti type creature rush them, break the sword that Jamie's got, and then that's the kind of the end of the first episode. So like I say, there's not much to these. I, I found this one. I think it it really gets going about third episode, I'd say, maybe. So it has like a bit of a slow build up, I found. So the second episode, this one is actually in the archive. So we actually, I do like, I do like it when there is an episode in the archives as well as the telly snaps because it's nice to see the moving pictures instead of, like you say, pictures. We get to actually see what the sets look like and what the movement is. And there is that I said in the last podcast about the film quality. There's like a film quality to it. This continued in this episode. It had that sort of film quality. And I didn't notice the music as much this time round. I didn't think it was... It didn't really... I don't know. It, maybe it was a bit void of music this time. Like, um, unlike the Tomb of Cybermen where they had an orchestral score. Yeah, maybe. Really quite good. But anyway, the second episode. So, uh, Jamie basically smacks a a big pole in the middle of this cave. It's a bit strange how there's like this beam holding up the ceiling in a yeah. cave. But Jamie decides to knock it. Of course, it's caving. Basically, it's falls like onto RSJ, the isn't it? yeah. It falls onto the uh, the the yeti creature. And as they're leaving, they spot these sort of these metal balls. So, Betty, should we talk about balls? <laughs> you always like talking about balls. Snigger. Well, we'll go on to what the balls are now. I think <laughs> it's, it's just easier to say what they are now. Basically, Tennis. the <laughs> Yeti creatures are actually robot-type creatures. They have a cavity in the chest. Although, the thing is that makes me laugh is even though they're fairy, they still look like a fairy chicken. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to the look of the Yeti in a minute. With but... a big... With, although, with its head cut off. Mm. So they got this like hole in their the chest which the metal ball goes into. It's like a, a control unit mm. that brings them to life and they can receive orders and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, the Yeti look. That's what I was saying about my topics. You know, back in the 60s, maybe if you're a little child watching this on the sofa, maybe it's quite quite scary. Oh, I don't legs. know. They're chicken legs um, as well. It probably is quite scary to a little child back, back then. You know, now... When you look at it, it's kind of funny and laughable. Laughable? It looks like a fairy chicken. Well, well, a fairy headless sort of chicken. A, it's sort of like an oval egg shape with two arms and, like you say, chicken two legs. chicken legs. And no real face. It's sort of like... No. I thought it was a bit like Kenny from South Park, where it's just like a hoodie. 
no. But yeah. I was expecting some sort of little flap or something. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a weird. Yeah, a I was weird expecting creature. some sort of little flap of a f- and then a face appear. Well, it's a very weird creature. I think. Yeah. If you were going to design it, uh, uh, yeah, it's just a weird, strange look to the. Maybe creature. they just thought, well, I drew a scribble and were like, right, well, I've been doodling, you know, because I got bored, sort of thing, and then they basically just turned in this basically like. I I tend to scribble round in circles and stuff, so maybe they'd done a scribble of an oval and just kept going and going, and I thought, oh, that looked good. Maybe, yeah. The design isn't, like, say, the best design of a creature I've seen in Doctor Who so far. Mm. Maybe one of the weaker designs, I think, yeah. of a creature. But as they're going to leave after they've discovered this <gasps> pyramid of See, metal even, walls... Even the Cybermen Sockhead? No, I think they look quite... I've said I said in the Tev Planet I think they're actually quite impactful because you get to see their eyes. Sockhead. You get to see their <laughs> eyes and a human a human man underneath the machinery. I think it's quite it can be quite frightening. Mm. But yeah. So as they go to leave after no, discovering this metal ball pyramid, sorry. the Yeti starts to move and get up. We find out that the doctor has actually been said to Tibet before. In the 1630, I think it was the year that he says that he's been well, there. Well, 300 years before. Yeah, okay. Well, that would be then. Well, yeah. The doctor's then led away from his cell. Nice to know you can count. Yeah, okay. One, two, ten. Yep, uh, the doctor's led away from his cell. They basically want to tie the doctor to the gate of the monastery. If the yetis basically attempt to rescue him, they th- will know that he's in league with them and then do whatever to... Yeah to the doctor i'm guessing kill kill the doctor even though they're tibetan monks and aren't they supposed to be like peace and tranquility and meditating technically some of them are supposed to actually be silent but well anyway so um this is when we sort of get introduced to it's it sounds like to me it's tommy but it's it's thon thommy i I don't know it sounded to me like they said tommy they did. Well, anyway, Tommy, he um, he sort of goes into the cell with the doctor before he gets led away. The doctor sort of says about the bell underneath the bed. He goes back into the cell, gets the bell and takes it to the abbot, um, who is kind of, he's kind of semi-villain. He's kind of the, there's kind of like three, well, it, it's technically there's three villains and the abbot is kind of, Villain number three in the list. He's kind of working with the villain number two. Mm. But anyway, he brings the bell to the abbot. The abbot then, they both hear this uh, this like disembodied voice, or we get to hear this what disembodied the hell do voice. You say, what do you mean when you say disembodied voice? Because a disembodied voice to me is something you, you can hear someone, but you can't understand what they're saying. I'd say a disembodied voice is a voice you can hear, but you can't actually see where the voice is coming from. Yeah, and at that point in the story, you can't actually that's tell where voice. the voice is coming from. Yeah, but that's just a voice. That's not disembodied. Well, anyway. the voice Disem- Disembodied means that that's not a full-bodied voice, which means it is only a partial. Well, it's not actually a full conversation. Well, it's a voice, it's a voice from the ether then. They don't, they don't see the person behind the voice or we don't see the... The person behind the voice. Yeah, sort of like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, basically, that is what the kind of yeah. the idea is. I think 
Anyway, they hear this voice. The voice knows the doctor. They say the doctor is like basically a friend to get him released because of the bell and all this sort of stuff. Travis then stumbles along Jamie and Victoria out in the the uh, the Highlands, <laughs> we call it. Points a gun at Jamie. He wants him to show him the cave that Jamie sort of name drops into the conversation. Jamie says, well, actually, I'll counter that. You show us where the monastery is first, and then we can show you the cave. So that's what they do. Jamie, Victoria, and Travers then stumble back to the monastery where the doctor is being strung up. This is where the doctor is released because Tommy comes out and says he is like a friend of the monastery. Jamie then shows uh, the doctor this metal ball that they got from the uh, the cave yeah. and the doctor then says that he basically wants to see these yetis and then the yetis are gathering at the mountains uh there's like a sort of scene where we see i think it's two yetis i think yeah. collecting on the hills yeah the doctor then wants one of these captured and Jamie then has this idea how to do it. And this is quite interesting. This was that the doctor then pulls Victoria away and says, Jamie has an idea. We better make ourselves scarber. I thought it was quite interesting that I don't know what he's really saying there. Is he yeah, saying but Jamie's that? Jamie's got a history of obviously, you know, in war sort of thing. So, yeah, but I don't know. It, it sounded like the doctor was discrediting Jamie a little bit. With his idea, saying, oh, we better move away because he's got an idea sort of thing. He didn't really say, oh, I'll support you, Jamie, in your idea. What do you need me to help you with? He doesn't say anything like that. He just sort of pulls Victoria away, sort of, let's get out of here. No, I don't think so. I think, to be honest, it was probably more of a case of, you know, Jamie had an idea, so let's move out of the way so we can get on with it. Oh, yeah. Well, his idea wasn't that great. It's basically rig up a net. Wait for the Yeti to jump into the net and then they hoist it up that's basically the idea but as they're doing that the metal ball worked plenty of times on scooby-doo well it works very well for jamie as well but (laughs) they basically deactivate like i said the yetis are robots maybe deactivate scooby-doo in the tardis maybe maybe it is the 60s so yeah in the process they deactivate the yeti because like i said the metal ball falls out of his chest onto the ground and they ended up taking the yeti inside the metal ball we get a scene of it. They can actually move. And yeah. the Doctor uh, sort of examines the Yeti. They find that there's a hole in the Yeti's uh, chest and that this metal ball um, starts to move inside uh, the courtyard near the Buddha statue. Sta- the Buddha statue. Yeah, but I've never seen a Buddha statue with its eyes half open. Well, no, it, it did look... It's a really weird prop, I thought. We know what Buddha's statues look like, and it just looks like they sort of half-assed a Buddha statue for the actual, mm. the actual set. Bit of a strange. Well, there's strange actually one. two sort of Buddha statues. You get the young Buddha, and then you get the old bald Buddha, mm. Buddha, which looks more like Travis. Well, <laughs> for those at home, that's Becky's stepfather. <laughs> and that's not mean. My mum calls him it. And then that's the end of the episode two. Episode three, this is where the Doctor figures out that these actual balls are the control units and that this one is actually missing. Victoria then figures out that the control unit is the metal ball. Yeah, but how so. do the balls know where they're going? They ain't got no eyes on out. 
Well, they must just have like a sensor on them, like uh, I don't know, magnetic field, maybe. I don't know, maybe something Gravitational like that. Gravitational pull. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, they go and look for the ball in the courtyard. The ball is just sitting. Uh, well, get used can't to it, Becky. Can't so we get? Can't give it a name? It is. It's called the control unit. No. Did you just call it the ball all the time? Well, it is. It's metal. It's a metal sphere. Well, can't we call it Steve the Sphere? No, we're not going to call it Steve the Sphere. Why? Because that's childish, Becky. No, it ain't. Our listeners are very in highly intelligent people. They won't be deuced to calling balls Steve. No, they might want to call it Bob. Well, answers on a postcard. <laughs> anyway, the ball is sitting unseen, and then they go looking for the ball. Steve. Then we see this claw hand that's moving these Yeti models on like a, a board. We find out that these are actually like um, these are like real like uh, what's the word? It's a it's a representation of the Yeti creatures. They're a little statue. As they're moved, they move basically to where they're. It's pretty much the only way I can think of it is how they do the old Clash of the Titans film. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Yes, and when basically people kind of move people. Yep. Victoria wants to enter God's the movement. inner sanctum to see what they call the master. And for intensive purposes, I'm going to call him the master because I'm not going to attempt. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt to go on, say the go name. On, go on, just try it. Try it. Why don't you? Why don't you, why don't you try it today? No. No, exactly. So <laughs> no, for intensive because... purposes, he's going to be referred to as the master because I'm not going to butcher the name. <laughs> No, in English, just too many letters long that you yeah, don't want to even attempt it. <laughs> Two yetis approach uh, the gate. Just so I can have a laugh. Chris Song, who's he's kind of like the leader of the monks underneath the abbot, I would say. He's sort of like uh, second in command type thing. He then uh, goes outside. He picks up the metal ball. There's a bit Steve. Of, there's a little bit of wrestling between the yetis and him. They want the sphere. And Steve. they manage to wrestle it from him and then they leave. They figure out that the fears have Steve. this sort of signal type thing. And then the doctor needs some equipment from his TARDIS. So that's what they do. They Him and Jamie then go return to the TARDIS to get this equi- equipment. Travis then follows the Yetis up the uh, mountains while Victoria is guarded in a cell. Victoria, she's very good at escaping. Or shall I say, they're not very good at guarding. I don't know. She's able to to fool them twice and just walk out of the cell because she's got this like curiosity. She wants to get into the inner sanctum to see what actually is happening, what's going on. And so she ends up sort of getting out of the cell twice to, to try and find out. Yeah, but clearly they, they underestimate her being a girl. Maybe. The Doctor and Jamie, they come across three inner animated... But then it is the 30s, so... Yeah. So what is the is the word? It's three inanimated. Yeah. Is that the correct term? Is it yetis? Inanimate. Inanimate yetis that basically are in the distance. Doctor and Jamie move towards the TARDIS, while Victoria ends up, let's say, escaping and going towards the inner sanctum. And the voice sort of talks to her. The sphere then goes into the yeti. While Victoria screams Steve. as the Yeti gets up and moves, and that's the end of the third episode. So again, it's it's not 
like I say, it's only now really starting to get going. So, yeah. Episode four. Tommy fights uh, the Yeti as it's sort of getting up, pushes him aside and leaves. Men then attack the Yeti, but it sort of pushes them away as well and and leaves via the gate. Yeti and Steve. Yep. Doctor and Jamie reach TARDIS, but there is a Yeti outside. There is a sphere paced back into the pyramid in the cave by uh, the abbot because obviously like we say he's kind of like baddie number three so he's kind of working with the yetis and the master will find out uh, who is he's working for in a minute and the steve balls yeah steve balls yeah because the spheres the the steely steve balls (laughs) the steve spheres Steve says, <laughs> say that with no teeth. <laughs> say that when you're drunk. Mm, yeah. The doctor, Steely Steve balls. The doctor then throws a rock at the Yeti. It doesn't move. He approaches the Yeti. Prods it. Steely Steve Fizz. Steely Steve Okay. It's a little bit like she sells, she sells on the seashore. She sells seashells on the seashore. It's not hard. Or Steve Steely Balls. Steve Steely Spheres. No, it was Steely Steve Spheres. Oh, I think we'll leave that and move on. So, yeah, he approaches the Yeti, prods it. He opens the flap and ends up moving the Stevie Spheres. (laughs) See, I knew it would catch on. Ends up entering the TARDIS while Jamie is holding the sphere. Steve. Travis enters the cave. The pyramids are emitting a glowing and a sound that makes him have to run from the cave. The sphere emits a Steve. signal as Jamie wrestles with it as it is trying to sort of go back into the Yeti's chest. Jamie ends up filling the, the Yeti's chest with a rock. Quick thinking. and Rocky. Yeah. This is where the Doctor then realises that the the spheres are actually Steve. programmed to return to the Yetis. The Doctor then wants to find the main transmitter of the signal. The Abbot then returns to the monastery. Two Yetis approach. The Doctor and Jamie turn into a third because they are walking back to the monastery. Two Yetis approach them. They turn round. There's a third one, which they the Doctor then comes up with the idea for Jamie to just run while he then bowls the sphere. The, the Yetis then go after the sphere and he's able to escape. The Doctor and Jamie return. And then so does Travers. They search for Victoria. Victoria has entered the inner sanctum. And then the master is then revealed to be this old sort of wizened Tibetan monk. Withered. Withered. Wizened. Oh, it's wizened as well. Wizened? What the hell's wizened? Wizened, wizened isn't even a word. It, it, it is. It's withered. Get your dictionary out. Wizened. An old wizened man. It is. A, it is. Withered. But anyway, this is episode five. Yeah, you come so out with some crap. <laughs> Padamama Bahatha. No. Something like that. It's wrong. This is why why I'm just referring to him as the master. Not to be confused with the master, who we meet later on. A master. Yeah. Well, it's they call it, they they basically refer to him as their, like, master, the Tibetan monk's master. So instead of, unless I want to call him, like, Pada. Then I'm not going to go. Yeah, just call him Paddy. Anyway. (laughs) Well, it is St. Patrick's Day. He reveals the the board to Victoria and then he ends up wiping her memory. Because 
he has this sort of power where he can influence people and wipe the memory and trance and everything like that. So the Yeti then bursts into the courtyard. They want basically the monks to move away from the monastery. We never really find out why. I'm not really too sure why they want the monks out of the monastery. I didn't get that. But anyway, I don't really know what the Yeti's plan is. I don't really know what the what comes to be referred to as the greater intelligence or the great intelligence's plan is. They don't really say. But anyway, the Dr. Jamie, Tender Travers. But who's, who's the greater intelligence? Is it Paddy's, like, voice in his head? You know, is it, like, the voice that's in Pat, like, coming through Paddy? Or is it, um... Well, I think this is, like, the an influence. intelligence I did write it of... down. Um, I, I'll write it down in, in a minute. I'll say what, what I wrote down. Um... But yeah, um, they're tending to Travers, who's kind of like, he's gone a little bit sort of crazy from the this, this sort of pyramid sphere, um, balls uh, that are emitting that light. Steve. So he's gone a little bit crazy from that. So they're sort of like tending to him. The Doctor, Jamie and Tommy, they sort of make a plan to try and find the sort, of, the sort of purpose of the the Yeti and all that sort of thing. The Doctor then figures out that, you know, the Master is the same man as he met on his previous trip. A doctor then enters the inner sanctum. He has like a sort of tete-a-tete uh, conversation with the... With the it's tete-a-tete, actually. Whichever's the way I say it, Becky. No, because the anyway, inside... Anyway, it's a conversation it, with the master anyway. Um, he's basically been kept alive. This is what the I put. E I put is he encountered a great intelligence in uh, on the astral plane. And the entity borrowed his form to conduct an experiment which he was told was harmless but is now out of control. So that's basically what happened to him. He's obviously gone to the astral plane, encountered this sort of intelligence that's overtook him, and now through him, he's kind of in there fighting away because every now and again he sort of says, help me, you know, let, basically let him die sort of thing. But the great intelligence is kind of keeps overtaking him back. Mm. So... Um, so obsessed. Yeah, it's kind of like that, isn't it? There's a little bit where his heart sort of stops. So the master's sort of heart sort of stops. As the doctor sort of leaves, he sort of raises back up. So it's kind of like a little bit. It's kind of like the intelligence sort of messing with the doctor a little bit here as well. Mm. So the doctor then sort of goes to Victoria, who, because she entered the inner sanctum, she got hypnotized by the greater intelligence. The doctor then counter hypnos her. And brings her back to the real world. The Doctor and Travers, they go up to the mountain to triangulate the signal to find the main signal. Travers' memory returns and then he just says to the monks about the pyramid in the cave and about the abbot who is the man who was helping the yetis. And then we go into the last episode. The abbot then sort of strikes uh, Chris's song on the back of the neck as they've gone to the inner sanctum together. The Doctor and Jamie arrive. The Abbot is trying to sort of swing a sword. It's not really happening. And then Chris's song dies with some... The usual last words. They say some last words. The monks then realise that the Abbot and the Master are basically being controlled by the greater intelligence. So even though the Abbot has actually killed someone, they're still sort of forgiving, understanding. Pretty which I thought was quite funny. Well, yeah, it's all about that peace and tranquility thing again. You can kill somebody, but as long as you're being uh, controlled by greater intelligence, you're okay. 
it's kind of funny really but anyway nice so travis then goes to the uh the cave to destroy the pyramids but there's sort of a glowing uh, they they said it's a glowing intelligence from the mountain. It's kind of like a pulsating emitted light from the top of the mountain um, that stops him yeah. entering the cave. It's kind of it's a bit strange. Like I said, there's no real clear goal about what the intelligence really wants. But anyway, the doctor then re-enters the inner sanctum just to be a dick. Well, yeah, he enters, re-enters the inner sanctum. He's sort of placed under pain because obviously the great intelligence can control and manipulate. Only for then him to sort of give a, a shout and signal to Jamie and Victoria who are waiting at the door to rush into the room. Victoria attempts to sort of... And Tommy. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't really bother with him, to be honest. Like I say, he's a bit character that nobody really cares mm. about. But anyway, they rush in. Victoria attempts to sort of stop the master, only for her to then start to be, like, countered by Hypno. He sort of tries to Hypno her. Jamie then sort of smashes the control room with Tommy, only for then Victoria to try to remember this sort of pair, uh, prayer yeah. they sort of said before, if she ends up being sort of controlled again, just to remember this prayer to sort of break it, she sort of stuns the sort of hypno for a moment. Prayer of the Lotus, I think. Yeah, basically. Um, but she ends up being paralysed. Jamie then ends up smashing this sphere pyramid, because there's sort of a Steve. replica, replica one in the control room. The Yetis then fall to the ground. The mountain then explodes and then the master disintegrates because obviously he's an old wizened man. So he Withered. Dies. He sort of disintegrates. Travers then sees a real Yeti in the distance at the end of the episode while the Doctor, Jamie and Victoria head back to the TARDIS hoping for a warmer but what place. what about Steve? Well, we never know what happens to him. He's still there in the cave all on his own. No, they're multiple Steves. Lovely. And then they say they are hoping for a warmer place, and then we go into the next serial, which would be the Ice Warriors. So clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's basically it. So, um, yeah. So that was the Abominable Snowman. To be Abominable. animated. To be animated TBC this year. So... I'd be... in. To be honest, I'd be curious to see how they animate the Yetis. That'd be quite funny. Well, yeah, um, I was going to say, spoiler alert, the Yetis do return. But, well, obviously. Um, yeah, they haven't animated them, so, yeah. So, no, I mean, because you were saying about animating yeah. um, well, yeah, they the won't serial. Be, yeah, they won't be much different, will they? Well, that'd be quite funny. So, like I say, the topics, we kind of discussed the majority of them. This is because didn't they have the Mac Matera animation? Yeah, they did, yes. So that, yeah. And that looked a bit weird. Yeah, so the only one we didn't really discuss is why do disembodied voices have a, to be a whisper? I've noticed that all their sort of like, they have had a few um, voices that are coming from... Because it's supposed to sound creepy and eerie. Well, yes, it. And they always have to put a voice on and they've done, they do it again in this one. Like, they have a few times where there's been like a voice and no person been seen. It's always a sort of whisper and a sort of booming voice and that sort of thing. And it's kind of like... Well, of. it's not really a, a whisper. It's just more of a beaming voice, what? and you know, just quieter talking. I wouldn't mm. say as a whisper. Yeah, 
So um, before we go into what we really thought about it, we'll go through Mark Campbell's episode guide for the verdict. A ponderous, slow-moving tale, heavy on echoey Tibetan ritual. The role of the abominable snowmen is unclear and their appearance is more likely to provoke smiles and screams. A four out of ten. So what do you think, Becky? Did you like this a one? A four? A four out of ten, yes. Really? That's bad. Yep. Well, while we're talking about, like, sort of I don't know. verdicts I would... and that sort of thing, we'll go to the poll. Remember, the poll, 241 out of the... <laughs> out of that number 87 so the fans actually voted it quite high yeah, so that's the thing you know it had a good story it was quite solid in a story i like you know and like the, the costumes it... were quite funny you know it to be honest and we can't forget steely steve mm. and at the end of that i thought it was quite entertaining i thought it was a quite good one it's it i think the word i'd like to use is different it's definitely yeah. different and they it's different from your whole Cybermen and Daleks, isn't it? You know, yeah, well, they have to come up and with new futuristic ideas. sort of because even with Soltarans, you get the like sort of futuristic yeah. sort of element to it, yeah. whereas this is sort of not. And it's sort of the only thing is know. the only the only downside I would have to it is like I say, there's no real clear goal of what the Yeti are trying to achieve. Why did the great intelligence create these robots? What, what you know, there's not really any sort of Clearly idea to piss people off. There's no real idea of what they're actually doing. About the, yeah. Apart from that, it's actually a solid story, I think. I, I, yeah, I agree. You know, it's, um, you know, I thought it was a good story. You know, although, like you say, you didn't really know what they were up to. But apart from that, you know, it was a good, it was a good story. And I think, you know, it done what it needed to do. And we're also now getting into like I say, season five now, the second serial. And also there's a lot more six episodes. Like I think every single serial in this uh, series is a six episode. And yeah, I don't like the six episode format, but actually this one wasn't too bad. This one actually quite good. They filled it quite well. Yeah. So I was thoroughly impressed. So yeah, uh, we'll probably gonna sort of leave it there i've been toying with the idea of doing a live podcast maybe using youtube as a sort of base to do it um obviously there'd be you no... might have to get dressed then well, yeah um obviously there well there will there'll be no video but there will be pictures and stuff like that um i'll look into how to do all that i just thought maybe it's a, a way to interact with people as we do the podcast it's quite a nice little feature that i think youtube kind of lends itself and i said a few people do it so i think it looks quite good so people have to let us know if you think that's a good idea let us know in the social medias that will be in the description so i think we will leave it there like i say abominable snowman i quite liked it yeah you quite liked it yep so next week the ice warriors um big giveaway it's the ice warriors so we'll are they the greeny see. looking ones well through through the power of black and white, yeah, they are green. <laughs> we, I don't even know if we get to see them in colour. I think we do. I think uh, I think I they think the might... Ice Warriors came about. Yeah, I think uh, we th they came back in sort of New Who. I do think we get to see that. Yeah, I think they are in New Who, and I also think they're in John Pertwee's years as well. So we'll have to see that next week as it will be introduced. So I think we'll leave it there. So I will say goodbye, Becky, and say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>